You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about guilty pleasures. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's been happening with you? I committed for the month of May to do Frugal Woods Uber Frugal Month. I love Frugal Woods. Yeah. So Frugal Woods is this blog and it's this couple. Well, they're a family now, but they call themselves the Frugal Woods and they are extremely frugal people. And their goal was to be able to retire early. They're in their early 30s like us Mm -hmm. and move to a homestead in the woods of Vermont. So they did that, I think, last year. And I'm not sure that their goal was to retire early, but to have options because I think they're both still working. Yes, because he works from home and she does freelance writing. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. But anyway, their goal was to move to a homestead in the woods of Vermont. And they did it by being ultra, ultra thrifty. And it's mostly Mrs. Frugal Woods, whose name is Liz in real life. But she writes about all the things that they do that are really thrifty. And she also has this thing called the Uber Frugal Month that you can participate in via email. So I've been feeling kind of out of control money-wise just after switching from having two full-time incomes up through last summer to me being a freelancer, not working full-time and staying home. So I sort of felt like Andrew and I needed a reset on our finances. And then when I saw you in Arkansas, you recommended this to me. Yeah. So I got really excited about it because one thing I like about their blog, I don't always love financial writing Mm -hmm. because I think it can come off as kind of holier than thou and like bossy, like this is what you should do unless you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. And some of it is fine, but I think there's a wide range of sort of voices and styles on the internet if you're reading about personal finance. Agreed. And I have always liked their stuff. I haven't read it a lot, but I've always liked it because they seem like pretty normal people and they are in a similar situation to us. I think their baby was born only a few months before Plum. Mm -hmm. So that is reassuring. They also have a dog that's a rescue dog. So that is sort of similar. And so when you told me about it, I was like, hmm, I should really check that out. And I have this really amazing Facebook mom group. Mm -hmm. And I asked them if they wanted to do it with me. And so some of the moms from that group are doing it with me. We're only on day two, since it's May 2nd, when we're (laughs) recording this. The out of control feeling about the money has been helped by this because it feels like I'm taking steps to be more in control. Yeah. Even though we still are not really where we want to be, we're getting there. I love that the premise of the Uber Frugal Month is that you do all these somewhat extreme things for one month and then you Mm -hmm. can evaluate which ones are worth it to you and which ones aren't. Right. And so it's not the idea that you'll never have these things again, but try going without them and you might find that the things that you thought were necessities actually aren't. Right. And I like that she seems so down to earth and that what is worth it to you is going to vary from person to person and that there's no right or wrong in that. Yeah. It feels very judgment-free. Agreed. And so I appreciate that this is supportive, yet it's sort of a tough love thing too. Yeah. It's like, do you really need that? No, I don't, but I want it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's also so aware of her privilege and all of the things that have allowed them to be where they are. Right. Where I'm not sure that that always comes through in a lot of financial writing. It's true. That to be in this position to talk about retiring early and achieving all these dreams, it, it is a privilege. And not that people... Not that everyone can't be frugal, but there's just such a wide range. And to acknowledge which part of the spectrum you're on Mm -hmm. is very important. Right. 
So my life lately ties right in with the frugal month because it is a recent secondhand win of mine, which are my new headphones. In our episode about minimalism, I talked about how I really like just having exactly what I need. So that meant having just one pair of earbuds. And then the little plastic piece that goes around the bud part of the earbud to make it comfortable Mm -hmm. got lost somewhere. It's a tiny little clear piece. So then I only had one bud of the earbuds Mm. for any kind of listening, Mm -hmm. which as we've been doing more podcasting things was becoming pretty irritating to have to listen to everything through one earbud. Yes, I could see that. But I was still hesitant. You're the one who does the main editing of the podcast. If I had been, the situation would have been remedied long before. But since I wasn't, I was just dealing with it. I'm a classic underbuyer in mm. Gretchen Rubin terminology mm. where mm-hmm. I wait longer than necessary to purchase things. Oh, yeah. So I searched on Craigslist and I ended up finding a pair of headphones. I think they were listed for 25 or 30. Mm-hmm. And I met him at the library and he said that he would take 20, no problem. And they work great. I love them. Awesome. It has been a huge improvement. And it's just so satisfying. I think waiting longer to buy things than I should makes it that much more enjoyable when I get the thing Hmm. because there's such a change from what it was before. Interesting. Do you not feel that way? I was trying to think if I feel that way. And I think that this frugal month is actually going to let me see if I feel that way because I am an instant gratification kind of person. But... To be honest, I don't know that I've ever tried delaying gratification, <laughs> so maybe I'll love it. That's something that has changed over time. Neil is big into delayed gratification, mm-hmm. and since being with him, it has made me less of an instant gratification person, hmm. and I really like it. One last thing about the headphones. E calls them my podcast ears, which I love. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> That's so cute. They're usually away where she can't get them. And she saw them on the shelf where we keep our shoes. And she said, are those your podcast ears? And I said, yes, they are. That's very precious. On that note, let's move on to what we've been reading. I've been reading Shantytown by Cesar Ayra, an Argentinian author. And he's super prolific, apparently. He's written like 75 novels or something like that since the 70s. And many of them are translated, but this is the first I've heard of it. And it it is a book that I'm reading for my other virtual book club. Mm-hmm. And it is part of the Read Harder Challenge, which is something on the internet that people do every year. You might actually like this. I love reading challenges. Tell me more. There's a series of categories. Mm. So my friend, who is the one who this was her month to choose... The category that this fit into was written by a South American author set in South America. It's set in Buenos Aires and it's about a young man. Basically, all he does is work out, sleep and help these people that live in the shantytown go through the trash in the city and take like metal and cardboard back to their their homes in the shantytown Mm -hmm. and I'm about halfway through and it is sort of this borderline mystery like there's something happening in the shantytown and there's a cop who's corrupt I think who kind of comes in and is trying to find things out and so he has his eye on this guy It's different than what I would usually read. I think that it has some elements of that magical realism 
but I am reading it a little bit slowly. It's a short book, but it has taken me a while to get through, I think because of the language and the translation is beautiful, but I think it's one of those things where the language is just a little bit more complicated, Mm -hmm. but I am really thankful that I'm talking about it in a book club because it's so different from what I normally read, I think I'll really appreciate having that conversation around it. How long ago was the book written? I don't actually know. I think it's a fairly okay. recent one of his. You just said he started writing in 1975. So yeah, I'm I sure so. where that fell on the spectrum. Yeah, I think it's more recent. What have you been reading, Sarah? I just finished reading Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. Mm-hmm. And this is a book I first heard about when I was listening to an NPR interview with Hamid. And I thought, oh, that book sounds really interesting. And then it fell out of my mind. But a few weeks later, my in-person book club picked the next six books that we're going to read. Mm -hmm. We pick six books at a time and schedule it out. And it was on the list. It's just over 200 pages. I read it in about a day. Awesome. It follows two characters, Nadia and Saeed, and they live in an unnamed country. But from the writing, you can assume that if it's not Lahore, Pakistan, it's someplace very similar to that. Mm -hmm. And their country devolves into a civil war and they keep hearing tale of these doors that can get you out Hmm. and doors that can help you travel. So it also has elements of magical realism in it. Oh, they're not actual doors? No, they are actual doors. But it's like in your bedroom, your closet door used to just be a closet door. But all of a sudden it turns black and you know that it's a portal. Nice. Then if you walk through it, you're going to end up somewhere different. Hmm. Each door leads to one specific place, but you don't necessarily know before you go through it Hmm. which place that is. It's a way for him to get the characters from one place to another and simulate the refugee crisis just in a different mechanism than the way that is currently playing out. Hmm. One of the themes he's really exploring is what happens when people move to a new place, both with how the people who lived there are reacting to it Mm -hmm. and how the refugees themselves are processing it. Hmm. So at one point they're in a refugee camp. And what is that like? And at one point they move to London. And so... Hmm. There's a lot of refugees in London and how is the city of London responding and how are the refugees adapting to that? It feels very timely to read in this moment in our history. Mm -hmm. I was surprised by the diction as I went through. The New York Times described it as spare. Hmm. And I think that is a very good description. There's not a lot of emotion to it. There's very little dialogue. Hmm. It's very much from the outside describing what's happening Hmm. and it's still describing their emotions as I got through I kept thinking am I going to be drawn into this novel because the language felt so different but I was and I became engaged really quickly but it did feel different for most things that I was reading Hmm. so I highly recommend it as I said it's another book club book and one that I'm looking forward to discussing with them Mm -hmm. it really puts you in these different positions of how are these people feeling okay and how are the other people feeling and It's very complicated Hmm. and there isn't a simple answer for how do you suddenly integrate millions of people fleeing war-torn countries Mm -hmm. into other countries. That's not an easy thing, Yeah, but it's something we have to figure out right now. We're going to shift gears and move on to our topic today, which is much more lighthearted than the books we've been reading. Yeah. Guilty pleasures. Let's start by defining guilty pleasures and what that means for each of us. When I think about guilty pleasures, what I think of is something that might be kind of embarrassing that you really enjoy Mm -hmm. and something that feels like an indulgence. So where you wouldn't necessarily be indulging in this thing all the time, whether it's food or media that you're taking in or whatever, that it's something that 
if you consumed only that, it might not be so good for like your body or your brain. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with the embarrassment part of it. Uh But a lot of these are things that I wouldn't want to lead with. If someone didn't know me, I wouldn't want these things to be all that they know about me. Right. Although they are are all true. Yeah. (laughs) They aren't necessarily the face that you want to be putting forward all the time. Mm -hmm. And then also that they're rare. Most of these aren't things that I indulge in on a daily basis. Okay. So now let's go through some different categories and chat about our favorite guilty pleasures in each of these categories. Let's start with books. Okay. So I sort of have like a genre of books that I think mostly counts as a guilty pleasure, Mm -hmm. which is basically anything that is young adult fantasy fiction Mm -hmm. that has romance-like elements in it. Agreed. We share this one. Yeah. So the book that really came to mind for me with this was Serafina by Rachel Hartman. Have you read that one? I have read it. And I think it's interesting that you put it in this category because I honestly feel like that's a little bit more highbrow. It might be mostly the second book Mm -hmm. that it gets sort of borderline sexy. And you're like the 15 year old girl inside of you is like, ooh, this is like so scandalous. Scandalous. Exactly. So I don't really feel guilty. I don't know if there was ever a time that I did, but it is just the sort of embarrassment thing like. Once I was listening to an audiobook with Andrew that was like this. It wasn't Serafina. No, it's the one I just reread this week. <laughs> yeah. It was Graceling, I think, by Chris Sinkashore. Yes. And he was like, what are we listening to? <laughs> and I was like, I love it. I don't feel guilty doing it. Like, I don't feel as I'm reading something like, oh, I should not be reading this. <laughs> right. But it's definitely something that I wouldn't necessarily be broadcasting And usually something that Neil's going to roll his eyes at if Uh he sees me like reading or watching or whatever it is. Right. Not in a mean way. Just like the way you described what Andrew was saying. It's a lot of the books that like Neil would not be interested in reading that I would put into this category. Uh Uh-huh. For me, guilty pleasure books have that romance element that you're describing. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is the YA that I also enjoy. And this past year, I actually started reading some adult romance, Mm. which that is something that I would be less likely to want to read that at the Y, where people are going to (laughs) be passing by and ask me what I'm reading. Like the bodice ripper cover (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I sympathize. But at the same time, it's really kind of fun. So some of the ones that I've read for any listeners who want some guilty pleasure romance indulgences are by Courtney Milan. They were more feminist in the way that women were portrayed Mm -hmm. and specifically the issue of consent Mm. that I think in a lot of romances, it's the man is going to convince the woman who doesn't want to be with him that actually she secretly does and that he's right. And that's problematic. Yes. On so many levels. And so hers are not like that at all. And I really appreciate that. And some of my favorite YA romancy books are also the Kristen Kishore books, Mm -hmm. specifically Fire, which is a companion book to Graceling. So they're set in the same world, but they don't have a lot of overlapping characters. Mm. And I reread both Fire and Graceling in the last three months or so. And Fire for me held up really well, where Graceling, I did not love it as much the second time around. Fair. And my other one that I like to listen to on audiobook is The Royal We. Oh my gosh, so good, you guys. That is an excellent audiobook. That one is by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, which I also think is really cool. I 
listened to a podcast where they were both on it talking about how they wrote the book because they're just friends who wrote the book together. Awesome. They have an episode with Jess Lively where they chat about it and how they ended up making that work. So we'll link to that as well. Is that where you heard of the book Mm. was on there? Or how did you find it originally? Because you're the one who recommended it. I don't know. I think I must have seen somebody on Instagram or somewhere had posted about it. Or maybe just Lively had posted about it on her Instagram. Mm. Because I didn't listen to the interview until after I had read the book. Because I don't like spoilers and things. And I didn't know how much would be revealed. But it's essentially Kate Middleton fan fiction. Yeah. And... I love it. I <laughs> loved it so hard. And I mean, the accents in the audiobook were actually really good. It was just really fun. I used a free credit at Audible mm. to download this book. And so I have access to it all the time on the audiobook, too. Genius. So I read it that first summer and then I got it on audiobook and listened to it that winter. And then I think I'm in, on my second listen through. And This has been over the span of several months, but sometimes I'm just in the mood to listen to it. So good. I have one more to share, which is a guilty pleasure of the past. And when we were talking before this episode, you had mentioned that you feel like you didn't have guilty pleasures as a child. Yeah. I was thinking back and I I don't know. I mean, I couldn't think of anything. So, but tell us yours, Sarah. So mine is the Thoroughbred series of books, which are fine to read if you're in elementary school. (laughs) But I definitely read them past that because they were still coming out and I wanted to still be reading them. So I feel like I started them at the right time, but I just love that series. And I remember reading it when I was older and knew that the books were too young for me. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing. I wouldn't take that book to school. (laughs) I would read it at home. I definitely still read them. I wasn't going to stop doing it. I didn't feel that bad about it, but I wouldn't have wanted my friends to know that I was reading those books. Hmm. Well, I can talk about books all day, obviously, but let's move on to another favorite topic of ours, food. Okay, so my guilty pleasure food is definitely ice cream. If I'm in the right mood and hungry enough, I can just kill a pint of Ben and Jerry's like no problem. Same. I think the last time we recorded a podcast, like in the evening, like we're doing right Mm -hmm. now, I didn't eat dinner beforehand. And so I went home and I was starving and I just ate a whole pint of ice cream for dinner. (laughs) And my favorite flavors are, in order, triple caramel chunk, which is caramel ice cream, caramel swirl, and then little caramel covered in chocolate. Okay. Cinnamon buns. Mm. Also caramel ice cream. Okay. Chunks of cinnamon bun dough. Oh. Now and now cinnamon swirl. Okay. Is the cinnamon swirl crunchy? No, it's a little bit like they made like a cinnamon syrup. Okay. And swirled it through there. You know how when you cook a cinnamon roll, the inside gets gooey? Mm-hmm. It's like the that. best part. And then chocolate chip cookie dough. The old classic, which I believe you and I ate pints on pints of during college, friend. Yeah. I was going to say, I remember freshman year, I had not seen any Harry Potter or read any Harry Potter. And after I had read the first Harry Potter, we watched the movie in your dorm room Mm -hmm. and we had gone to get a bunch of junk food from Walmart beforehand. (laughs) I think we like ate the pints practically before the preview was over. Yeah. Each having our own. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. We weren't going to (laughs) share. So if I'm really in the mood for an indulgence, we often don't have a lot of things that we keep at our house Mm -hmm. because as discussed a couple episodes ago, I am very much an abstainer. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why I don't keep all these things in my house because I would just eat them and it wouldn't be good. But we often have things like butter and sugar. So I will mix them together to make 
a frosting-like concoction (laughs) and then eat it. (laughs) So that's probably my most guilty of guilty pleasures (laughs) because it's one of those things that I wouldn't just share with everybody. Like, oh, by the way, just made up some fake frosting and now I've made it. It's not something that I would want everyone to know about me, Mm -hmm. but I'll often text you and be like, yep, eating butter and sugar. (laughs) And then something similar in the past, I used to walk to our local Kroger and spend my allowance money buying different indulgences that my parents would not stock for us in our house, Mm -hmm. one of which was hot chocolate mix, and I would eat it with a spoon. I didn't like to actually make the hot chocolate. I just wanted to eat the hot chocolate powder concoction and it was very delicious okay the next category is tv shows so i have quite a few of these and the one that i am most consistently watching these days is scandal though for frugal month i just canceled hulu so i think i'm not gonna keep up with scandal anymore okay scandal is a great show in many ways kind of groundbreaking but it also has very soap opera-ish qualities about it Mm -hmm. I mean that's one that Andrew refuses to watch because it's Mm -hmm. too soap opera-ish and then the next category sort of in general that I like are reality tv Mm -hmm. and so the ones on MTV 16 and pregnant and teen mom I used to really love those in college watched them all the time and honestly still like glance at the tabloids in the supermarket when one of those people is on there. Mm -hmm. So those shows, Sister Wives, I love that show. It's so good. I don't know why I like it so well. I think it's just so different. A polygamous family is just so different from my life. Mm -hmm. And then the final reality TV that I love is HGTV, Mm -hmm. especially Income Property. Have you ever watched that one? No, but you've told me about it. I think it's mostly set in Toronto, but the host is this guy, Scott McGillivray, who is this like very buff, pleasant looking Canadian man with like beautiful locks of brunette hair. And what he does is help people turn their basement or the other half of their duplex or floor of their house into an income property to help pay their mortgage. And it is just so satisfying. Like I love the renos that they do in terms of the taste Mm -hmm. of it. Like I love how they look, but I also love how they break down. Like this is how much rent you're going to get. This is how much it's going to cut your mortgage by. Like this is how fast you'll be able to pay down your debt. And Toronto is crazy real estate wise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, People are buying like tiny little houses for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I just feel so happy for them when they have this beautiful turnkey income property that this beautiful Canadian man created for them in their house. And it's also a thing where they give them um, two choices so they can pick the A choice or the B choice. Okay. One is sort of bigger and more expensive, but has a potential to bring in more money. Mm -hmm. And the A choice is sort of like the safe one. But Andrew would actually watch that one with me back in the days when we had cable and we'd always be like, pick B. So what is your status re-watching these right now? Do you have access to them at your house or do you not have access to them? No, I'm not watching any of these right now. Time-wise, it's really hard for me to justify watching TV these days. I feel the same. Reality TV is one of the reasons I don't have a television and don't have cable. Yeah. Because... I am not a moderator and I know myself and Mm -hmm. I know that I would get sucked into watching these shows that I don't feel great about watching afterwards. It's enjoyable at the time. But when you get done, I think I could have used that time better. Yeah. (laughs) That was not the best way that I could have spent that last hour. Or 
It's okay if you watch just one 30-minute show, but I never mm-hmm. watch one 30-minute show. You know, Income right. Property is a 30-minute show, but then you watch like eight of them in a night. Yes. So if I were to be watching reality TV, I love HGTV. If I'm ever at a hotel or mm. sometimes at the gym, I will watch HGTV if it's on while I'm doing some cardio. Mm-hmm. But I would say right now, that one's my favorite. I feel like back when I was watching, it was more in high school that I watched survivor when it was just starting Mm. and i really liked big brother Mm, mm -hmm. and then in college i felt like we had somewhat less access to that that there was a lot of social things happening in the evening and i didn't always they were always in a common room or somewhere Mm. i didn't watch a lot of tv oh i did I think it depends on your roommates because i watched with my sweet mates i mean that was one of the things that we did for fun was watch shows together in college, I found the Duggar family really fascinating, mm-hmm. and they are from Arkansas, and we were in Arkansas. Also, didn't we like see them once or drive by their house when we were playing Frisbee or something? I'm not sure. One of our friends has had an encounter with the Duggar family before because she is from the same neck of the woods. Right. But I really don't watch reality television now because we don't have a TV or cable, and a lot of times if I have time, I'm listening to podcasts now. Mm-hmm. And also, as you're saying, Neil is not interested in watching no many of these with Mm-mm. me and so if I'm wanting to do something with him we need to be watching something else yeah but the one that I still enjoy that is my guilty pleasure tv show is Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. which I started watching after college so I think they were in season three then interesting and then I was watching it as it came out through graduate school mm-hmm. and through our first years in Austin and was keeping up with it mm-hmm. and then it started getting even more soap opera-ish right, that's than it what was before. Uh-huh. And it was pretty soap opera-ish before, <laughs> but it became even more so. So I'm not keeping up with that regularly. I don't have any service that would allow me to do that mm-hmm. until they all come out on Netflix. Mm. And so in the summer, the past season does. Right. And I think, oh, I don't need to watch that. And then I do. Mm-hmm. I would call that a guilty pleasure because it's one of those that I know it's not great TV, isn't the best way to spend my time but still enjoy it. Right. Let's go to our next category, which is music or songs. And I think we've mentioned before that you and I both love to listen to songs on repeat. Yes. And if we haven't mentioned that, we love to listen to songs on repeat. (laughs) And really always have. Mm -hmm. So I think I should say first that I actually don't have very sophisticated musical taste. Andrew has very sophisticated taste and it's something that's really important to him it's important in Mm -hmm. his family his family is really musical and sort of enjoys finding new music but Mm -hmm. they're sort of dragging me kicking and screaming toward like what's cool because I'm like no really I just want to listen to what I want to listen to yeah and so my guilty pleasures are musicals number one Mm -hmm. and then the song that I most like to listen to on repeat, which I think is kind of embarrassing and a guilty pleasure, is Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yes. You knew that that was going to be it. I did know because Abby used to listen to this all the time our freshman year. Yeah. Did you listen to it before that or was it a thing no. you started at Hendrix? I started it at Hendrix because on karaoke night. I was going to ask if that's what it was. Yes. On yes. karaoke night, two people did it and it was incredible. And I don't even know that I'd ever paid attention to that song before or even heard it, yeah. honestly. But I loved it so much. Their performance was stellar. It was. It was, yeah, epic. So I immediately downloaded it and listened to it over and over again. And I think I remember Sarah calling yes. on the dorm phone. Yes. And she was like, are you still listening to that? 
And I just put the phone up to the speakers and didn't even say anything. And you just hung up on me because you were like, no, I remember you singing the song into the phone when I was trying to ask you, like when we were going to lunch or something. I was like, and you were okay, probably I'm hanging so up the phone. Hungry. You were like, like, I'm just hungry. Just tell me an answer. I'm sorry, but not yep. that sorry. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I just that remember song. saying, call me when you're done listening to that song. And then I hung up. <laughs> And I knew at that point you'd already listened to it 20 times in a row. At but least. you still like, at least. let the song finish Maybe before like you called 80. me back. <laughs> it was so good. So good. Yeah. So I also love listening to songs on repeat. I like that one, but not as much as you do. <laughs> I really love the song Stand By Me by Ooh, Benny yes. King. Yes. And I remember listening to that and annoying my sister playing that one on repeat over and over <laughs> again. I like all cheesy music. I also have very unsophisticated musical taste getting less sophisticated all the time oh yeah because it takes a lot of effort to keep up with music uh-huh. and you really have to commit to it and that's not something I want to commit to in my life I'm happy <laughs> listening to plenty pop songs of commitments. on the radio yeah yeah and I like it it's fun I'm Why happy do I need anything else <laughs> listening to songs that were popular when I was in high school yes because those are the ones where I know all the words mm-hmm. and I like to sing along <laughs> I feel the same so yes I love 90s pop music pretty much across the board. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also do like a lot of music from the 60s. I used to listen Mm -hmm. to a lot of oldies when I was in high school and really enjoyed Mm -hmm. that. I remember traveling with the Ultimate Team in my car. You were probably in the car. We were going to Dallas. Because I probably needed someone else on my side to convince the other members to agree to this. That we didn't need to listen to cool music. (laughs) No, I don't. I think they were okay with that. But I don't know that everybody else was as into listening to songs on repeat. Oh, yeah. But I remember taking bets on how many times it would take to listen to the song until we got there. It wasn't the whole trip. It was like (laughs) we were approaching. You know, we were probably an hour away. And with one of my high school friends, we would listen to... I don't even know how you appropriately say their name now. It's Evan and Jerome or Evan and Jeron. Oh, I don't know. But they had one song that was a hit. They were a, a one hit wonder situation. Love it. And I loved it. Oh, it was called Crazy for This Girl. But yes, very much not a music snob. So we have one final category, which is miscellaneous. My final guilty pleasure is following the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton. And this really started much longer ago much before Kate Middleton was even in the picture. When I was 13, I was in a fan club called the Wilmas. (laughs) And this was a Prince William fan club, you guys. And we met in a Yahoo chat room. And it was 13 and 14-year-old girls from all over the U.S. chatting about William and how we hoped we might marry him. Also, I was followed a lot about Princess Diana too like I felt really sad Mm -hmm. when she died and I collected like all the magazines that had the cover I guess that's a guilty pleasure from when I was young that I did not talk about that that was something that I was uh, you know borderline obsessed with I remember driving to school with my mom Mm -hmm. after Diana died and she had to explain to me who she was because I didn't even know before that happened yeah so it goes way back Mm -hmm. But then when Kate Middleton came on the scene, man, I just love her. I just think she is so beautiful and so smart. And I just love that she seems like she has tons of money, but she seems relatively down to earth. Like she really loves her Mm -hmm. family. She really loves her kids now. I follow a Facebook page called What Kate Wore, which is also a blog, which is this woman, Susan, who 
does these awesomely detailed write-ups about all the clothes that Kate wears. Also, when Kate got married to Will, we had a 4.30 a.m. viewing party at my house. How many people came? My mother-in-law, mm-hmm. her best friend, and my best friend in Nashville. So there were four of us nice. on PBS watching the wedding at 4.30 in the morning. And then we had English breakfast. We made like English pancakes and like sausages and had champagne. It was very fun. I love it. The reason why I would classify this as a guilty pleasure is because I think a lot of people, when they hear how into this that I am, Mm -hmm. they're like, but really? And you have a PhD and you're like a pretty reasonable person otherwise. And they think that it's stupid. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I would not lead with this. Mm -hmm. And I've actually felt judged by some acquaintances and friends in the past that I'm so into it. I think most people who know me now, like just take it as part of who I am. Yeah. And know that they can count on me for announcing royal news on Facebook because I like to share the British monarchy things. Like when they release a new picture of the family on Facebook, you can always mm-hmm. count on me that I will share it. So you don't have to follow the British monarchy page. If you feel embarrassed about it, I will share it and you can just follow me. That's fine. <laughs> a small public service. <laughs> Least I can do. It was like a few weeks ago when the Duchess's private secretary was leaving. She is getting mm-hmm. married and so she can't be you know, working for Kate all day every day anymore three different people sent me the job listing or like an article including me yeah (laughs) an article about how that job was now available and they were all like you should move there and do this I was like I actually think I would be great at that (laughs) because I would be able to be completely down to earth with her and not treat her any differently even though she's amazing and I love her and our kids would be best friends and you're very organized yeah totally I love that you love Kate Middleton oh thanks friend So for me, my miscellaneous is fan fiction, (laughs) which is something I recently discovered. And it's definitely a guilty pleasure because it's not something I share with most people. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, listeners, for learning this about me. (laughs) Listeners, we've really brought you into the fold today. I hope that you'll share some of your guilty pleasures with us so we don't feel so embarrassed about ours. Agreed. So I came across it It was after HP was born because I was really into The Good Wife. And it's like, I just want some more Good Wife in my life. (laughs) Well, there is Good Wife fan fiction. So problem solved. And there is a wide spectrum in terms of the quality of fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Some of it is terrible. Most of it is mediocre. Mm -hmm. And then there's some that is really excellent. So once I found some writers that I wanted to follow, Mm -hmm. I would just read their stories instead of trying to sift through other things yeah and like get alerts for when they posted new stories so (laughs) I can read them (laughs) and where is fanfic is it on like sites yeah I think it's just fanfiction.com or fanfiction.net and it's it's all kinds that's just collected so they have it by categories yeah so it's one site and then it'll say Harry Potter shows or movies or books and then within those there's the different categories too okay and things like Harry Potter probably has its own site well, no, it doesn't have, it would still be hosted within that, uh-huh. but there would be so many writers for that, that there's probably a lot of really good right. fan fiction there, uh-huh. where if it's a smaller thing, then there's fewer writers, and so there's fewer really excellent pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But there's some writers who really don't want their work being used in that way, which is fair. But for me, it's just been, if I'm like really into something, usually another guilty pleasure, then it mm-hmm. just like, continues the fun yeah, yeah. longer, so... But there is such a spectrum that sometimes it's like, I cannot waste my time reading these not so great This level of quality. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I haven't really read any fan fiction except Carry On, 
by Rainbow Rowell, which is Harry Potter fan fiction, sort right. of. Right? Right. So, I mean, it's a... Sort l- of, but it's like it came out of a book about her writing about fan fiction. Right. So. But that is really my only exposure to that world. But I loved it. And your enjoyment of it kind of make me think that maybe I would really like it. I think it's really fun. It's just one of those things. It's like, this is not intellectual. Like you were saying before, a guilty pleasure doesn't make you feel intellectual. Right. And... I would feel that way about this, but sometimes it's just nice to read a little fan fiction. <laughs> I could see that for sure. Well, I think we have shared enough embarrassing facts about us. <laughs> so let's move on to what we've been eating lately. A friend of mine recommended the app Meal Lime, which is M E A L I M E. And they create weekly menus for you. You can put in your preferences, whether you're vegetarian or not, some other things. And then it suggests these different recipes for you. And I think it also creates a grocery list for you. Mm -hmm. But I was just looking for some new recipe ideas. So I just went through several times and asked for new recipes and just looked at what they had. Mm -hmm. But one of them was this tofu bowl. And so it was brown rice, tofu, and they had broccoli and shredded carrots all the broccoli at the grocery store has looked really terrible lately. Mm, bummer. I don't know if it's like that where you are. No, it has been good, good here. It's also been very expensive. Mm. So I've made this twice and both times I used kale. Mm. So you shred the carrot and have that set aside. And then I tore the kale into bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. And then instead of sauteing it, because I feel like sauteed greens, sometimes they're good, but they can really quickly get to that slimy, slimy weird yep. phase. Agree. So... I just did where you put a little bit of salt on it and then massage that in Mm. and it helps the kale wilt so it's easier to eat, but it's still raw. And then the tofu, I marinated with soy sauce and then you cook it with ginger and garlic Mm -hmm. and let that get... Just pan fry it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So it got a little bit crispy on the outside or at least brown. And then I cooked the rice separately. And then the best part is you put this peanut sauce on top of it and it's peanut butter, soy sauce. I think it suggested honey as the sweetener and water and maybe you put the garlic into that too but you blend it all together and then it makes this sauce you can drizzle on top of it Mm -hmm. and hp loved the sauce awesome he has been making a version of it himself he'll ask for a little bowl and for peanut butter water and soy sauce and mixes it together and then eats it (laughs) and he loved dipping so then the Mm. way they show it assembled is you have the rice on the bottom and then you have tofu broccoli carrots Mm -hmm. or in my case carrots kale Mm -hmm. and tofu and i also made it with tempeh once so you can put in anything you want but doing it so it's all arranged nicely Mm -hmm. and then with it drizzled on top and i think they recommended sesame seeds on top too but i didn't get those and so he loved to take everything and dip it into the sauce that he had a little bowl of the sauce on the side but it was a really great lighter meal it felt good for springtime Mm -hmm. because it felt really fresh with the raw carrots and the kale and We love peanut butter at our house. So peanut butter sauce is a win all around for us. Nice. So one new recipe that I tried last week was risotto. And this is from Ina Garten. And I have Mm -hmm. made risotto before where I did the pan, you know, add a little bit of broth or whatever at a time and Mm -hmm. stir and stir and stir. And I did that once. I mean, not too long ago, but it was a disaster in terms of being able to parent Mm, because your kids never need you until you are doing something that you can't step away from. Yeah. 
And part of the reason that I wanted to make risotto was because our postpartum doula made us risotto a long time ago mm-hmm. and it was amazing. So I just had this like memory of it being so delicious from those early days after plum. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is there was still some of the rice left, the risotto rice. Mm-hmm. And so because we're doing this frugal month, I was wanting to eat down the things that are in our pantry. Right. So I was like, okay. I want to make risotto again, but there's no way I'm doing the stirring. So then I found this recipe and it's risotto, but it's in quotes. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you take that kind of rice and then you just add chicken stock to it, put it in a covered dish and bake it. Okay. So you bake it for like 45 minutes and the broth all gets absorbed and then you take it out and you have to stir it, but just for like three minutes. So what else is in it then? When you're baking it, is it just the rice and broth? It's rice and broth while you're baking. Then you take it out. You add Parmesan, Mm -hmm. another cup of broth and white wine Mm -hmm. and butter. And then you stir, 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 stir. And that extra liquid plus stirring the rice makes it creamy. Mm -hmm. And then once that's all stirred and melted and like is nice and creamy, then you add a cup of frozen peas. Mm-hmm. And then it's ready. And I added sausage too because we had a half a pound of sausage in our freezer, like breakfast sausage. So like it's sort of a sage flavor. Okay. And it was really good. The recipe does call for a half of a cup of wine, which if you're not baking it so that some of the wine flavor goes off, it's a lot. It was a lot of wine flavor mm. for me because usually I think when I've made risotto, you do the wine first. Like it's the right. first liquid you add in and then you add all the broth after that. Right. So that the alcohol burns off and you still have the flavor of the wine. Mm-hmm. So it was so much wine and then it doesn't really cook after that, that it tastes like a little alcoholy, <laughs> which wasn't my favorite. Right. But I think what I would do next time is just add the wine like a tablespoon at a time until I got the flavor that I wanted because you're right. doing it right then you could taste it as you go. But it was really easy and it was something where you could just put it in and step away yeah. in the in the oven. And it also made me think that it might be possible to do it in the instant pot too. Mm. And then just add the liquids and stir. Yes. We should investigate that. Yeah. I mean, think about how we could translate that. Mm -hmm. So I was really glad to find another way to make risotto that seems reasonable in terms of like, it's fairly true to the original dish, Mm -hmm. but it does not take nearly as much work. Risotto is something that I often have when I'm at my parents' house, Mm. partly because my mom has had good recipes for it in the past. And now I sort of associate having risotto with going to visit them. So whenever my mom is asking what kind of meals we want, I always think, oh, why don't we have some risotto? Since Mm -hmm. She's made a really good one with, I think, mushrooms and asparagus. Mm, And then lately we've been having one with corn and shrimp. That's really good. That sounds amazing. So you could you could add any of those things because I was thinking next time, I mean, there are a lot of really good shiitakes at the farmer's market right now Mm -hmm. that you could totally take a few minutes to saute those and then just stir them in. Right. Once it's done baking or instant potting, if we figure that out. Yeah, I will be making this soon. Well, I think that's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. Like I said earlier, we would love to hear about your favorite guilty or not so guilty pleasures. You can join the conversation online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Well, sorry. Can I say that again? (laughs) Can we just start over again? Yep. I think I said life eightly. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was just gonna keep going. Just but roll then, with it. But it's your like, life lately. <laughs> I definitely didn't say lately. <laughs> Following the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, like in the news. Can I say something? Sorry. Yeah. When you said in the news. <laughs> in the news. Okay. Good call. It sounded like in the nude. Yeah. What you were doing. It. She was naked once. She so, got pictures taken. I don't know. It just sounded yeah. a little right. weird. Blah, 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 blah. I'm ready now. I want to talk about a recent secondhand wind of mine. Secondhand wind, <laughs> not secondhand wind. Oh my God. I cannot talk on our podcast. It's such a problem. Okay. Uh, secondhand my- wind is like a terrible <laughs> name for someone else's fart. Because yeah, talk about the fan club. I am. We already talked about that on the podcast. I'm about to talk about it. Okay. So, <laughs> I can't wait. Just I'm so wait. excited. 